very special live recording of the Vibe of the Tribe podcast from JewishBoston.com. I'm Mary Manzavan. This is my co-host, Dan Seligson. And we are thrilled to be here at High in the Hub tonight with this amazing audience to talk to with Alicia Silverstone. This is so exciting. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, uh, Alicia, it is yes. great to have you here in Boston. I'm being honest with you, we don't get a lot of visitors in February. We I really understand. appreciate your bravery, and I apologize <laughs> for the weather. So, you. your career is really impressive. You've been in modeling, music videos, movies. You're also a businesswoman, activist, and author. Can you talk a little bit about how you found the path that felt right for you? Yeah, um, <clears throat> when I was eight, I... Uh, would like rescue dogs and cats, well not cats, dogs with my mom. <laughs> we had cats, but we would run, <clears throat> if you would see a dog in the street, my mom and I would stop and pull the car over and run across the freeway. Not very good idea, but we did it to save animals. And then, you know, but I, at this time I was one of those animal lovers who still ate animals. There was, my brother and I were on an airplane um, traveling home from England, and he started making the noises of the food that I was eating, and I happened to be eating lamb. So I was so disturbed because I was eight, and it never occurred to me that a lamb was lamb, right? And um, so I started making these changes in my life, and it wasn't until I was 21 when I was able to really put my, you know, I was sort of doing what I call flirting. I was trying to be a vegan, but no one around me was vegan. And I didn't really know, I ate ice cream and french fries and thought that was fine. And then eventually found this path, and, but I got really distracted. I wrote, the, I, I got really into it. I wrote The Kind Diet, I wrote The Kind Mama. Um, I started My Kind Organics, that's later. But all along the way, I'm sort of forgetting about my acting. And luckily, I found a way to sort of balance it all. At one point, it occurred to me, actually, I do love acting and I can do all of these things. <laughs> <clears throat> so let's talk about Clueless. <laughs> Clueless is a gift. It is timeless. Uh, when you were making it, did you realize you had a classic on your hands? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, when it came out, what was that? <laughs> I mean, I was just doing a movie. I was really excited about, I, I, to be honest, I was really exhausted. I had been working from age, uh, I did like, nine movies back to back from The Crush. Crush was my first film. And then I did like the Aerosmith videos and I did a bunch of other things. But I was doing movie after movie after movie and I was working so hard and I was a little girl and I was exhausted. So when I was on Clueless, I was like, here we go again. But it was such a good part. Um, and I remember I didn't know I was funny. So when I, when I read hilarious. it, I didn't know that. So when I read it, um, I thought, this is great, but I'm not funny. So how do I do this? And someone said to me who was close to me, you take everything so seriously, it's hilarious. <laughs> so, so then I was like, oh, okay. Um, so I, and I did it and it was great. And when, yeah. when it came out and you did see people's response to it, what was your take then? Well, to be honest, it was really overwhelming. Uh, the fame, I would, got attention from The Crush, and that was like, oh, that's that girl from The Crush. And then it was, oh, you're the Aerosmith chick. That wasn't as cool. I mean, it was cool to be the, in the Aerosmith videos, but I didn't like being called a chick, because I was a really serious actress. 
Um, <laughs> so I was like, excuse me. And then Clueless was, oh, that's Alicia Silverstone. But that was really hard on an 18-year-old girl. It, it was just so overwhelming. Um, and so I really found more excitement and all of my passion became about animal rights, the environment. I just went completely deep into it and um, found that that was much easier for me to focus on. So I was really not, I was so young and rebellious that I was sort of like, if, you know, screw you people. I don't, I, didn't, I don't really, I don't care if none of this ever, I, every, push it all away. Yeah. And then when I was older, and I was doing plays with David Mamet and plays on Broadway and all this wonderful theater, I was like, oh my God, I love acting so much. Why am I not doing that as much? I mean, I'm doing it in theater, but why am I? So then I found a way to do it all because uh, like I said, I started, these books took years. The Kind Mama took me three years. Kind Diet was like a whole year of not leaving my house. Um, <laughs> just like in my pajamas working. So it's really epic. Can we talk about Clueless a little bit longer? Yes, of okay, course. Okay, we've got we need we've got some stuff okay, we yes, need to talk about. To so there are so many hilarious and quotable lines in that movie. For me, they become part of normal conversation. And rewatching it, I realize how many things I say that come from it. For example, I cannot mention litigators without reminding people that they are the scariest kind of lawyers. And for me. Uh, Sarah said it, Larry has it on his t-shirt, it bears repeating, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. But you can't say it enough, you can't yeah. say it enough. Yeah. So uh, of all the great lines in the movie, do you have a favorite? I think I have two or three. Um, I can't help but whisper in my head, oops, my bad, when I make a mistake in a car. <laughs> but only because of the movie, it's not, that was not me, that was the movie, but because I, you know. And then, um, but really, I love when Ty says, you're a virgin who can't drive. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a really good one. It's way harsh. Yeah, and then I love also, um, you see how picky I am and they only go on my feet. Yeah. <laughs> Clueless, like Clueless means a lot to me personally. It's kind of a weird reason, but I didn't actually go to high school. So my entire understanding, yes, I homeschooled myself. It's okay, a long time. That's great. Um, <laughs> my so. entire understanding of the high school experience comes from Clueless and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so, so that's one reason I love it. I'm but, not in that. Right. <laughs> <She's> not, <laughs> but so what are some reasons that you've heard from people who have just loved this film so much and found that they, they found something that resonated with them in the character of Cher? Um, I mean, I think that, you know, Emma, written by Jane Austen, is a really clever book and obviously brilliant writing. And Amy Heckerling is also a brilliant genius. You know, she did Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She wrote that. And um, so she has her finger on the pulse yeah. of generations, I think, at all times. And she's just a really hip woman and very, very smart. So... Um, I think taking Emma and making it in the world of the 90s was just really brilliant. And I'm glad that people like it, you know. It's pretty funny how many men like it and how many parents, the kids that were our, my generation, all of our generation, whatever, watch, you know, they, they're passing it down to their kids, like yeah. little kids, yeah. like it just really goes on and on, so it's quite nice. Well, my nine-year-old is going to watch it next week for the first time. Aww. And Mazel for tov. me, 
Um, Clueless had this very strong message of activism mm -hmm. around all of the laughs. Paul Rudd's character wants to be an environmental lawyer. Uh, Cher wants to do something for humanity, so she does this huge mitzvah collecting donations for Pismo Beach after the disaster. I don't know what the disaster was, but there was a disaster. Um, we know that there are a lot of causes that matter to you, including fighting climate change. When did you decide to become an activist? Well, when I was doing Clueless, you know, that was still, I was 18, so I hadn't had my huge commitment to change. At that time, I was an animal lover who ate animals. And it wasn't until I was about 21 where I saw um, uh, some incredible documentary. There's an incredible documentary out now called um, Game Changers that's really, really worth seeing. And um, yes, and Cowspiracy and Forks Over Knives. These are really important films that you should see. Um, when I start, I saw a film like that, but 20 something years ago, and it was called The Witness. And when I saw that, I just couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore and call myself good. I realized that if I was going to be, you know, we all want to do mitzvahs, right? And if I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm doing good in the world while knowing the absolute suffering and cruelty that was happening every single moment, um, I just couldn't do that. So I, I also felt I had a dog that was like my boyfriend. His name was Samson. And um, he and I would make out, we'd sleep together. You know, it was really awesome. And I just would like be rubbing his leg and thinking, this feels a lot like chicken, you know, like a chicken breast. And if I'm gonna, con how is it that I can continue to rub, like, like make out with him, hang out with him, he's my baby, and then, eat these other creatures that, you know, the dog and the pig and the cow all have the same capacity for joy. They all want to, you know, you see these adorable pigs that want love and they want life. And if they're punched in the face, they don't like it. Same as your dog. So I just started to realize that um, why is one creature worthy of being in my bed and snuggling with me and the other one being tortured and truly, truly uh, <coughs> horrific conditions. So I, I, that was part of my yeah. journey. There's a Jewish ethical teaching that I love, and it says that while it's not on each of us to finish fixing everything that's broken with the world, it is our obligation to begin that process of healing the world. It's called uh, tikkun olam is the idea, which we talked a little bit about before. Um, as you mentioned, you're an advocate for so many important causes that do that work of healing the world. And animal rights is one that's very near and dear to my heart. I have um, a little rescue dog myself. Her name is Sansa. She's my love of my life. Yes. Um, and I got so emotional when I read in your book, The Kind Diet, and as you briefly mentioned before, there was one day that you had rescued 11 dogs in one day. And to me, that's the epitome of living your activism. What do you want your legacy of activism to be? Um, you know, truly, I, my dream is that we will one day not look at animals like commodities and property, and that we will also live sustainably, that we will have sustainability be a part of our ethos, that in policies, in everything we choose, that we stop purchasing, you know, um, disposable plastic bottles, that we start thinking about bringing our canvas bags to the market, that we 
Um, just every single choice that you make, you know, even like my shoes, I get them secondhand on this amazing thing called the Real Real. And um, I also go to this store called Crossroads, which is um, like a, you know, a secondhand store. And not only do I find such individual things that not everyone has, but I also get a great deal. And, um, but most importantly, I'm reusing because these, you know, these choices that we make, every purchase that you make, whether it's your car, it's the paint you purchase, there's an ethical choice to be made, truly with your makeup. And all of this stuff is on, I have a website called thekindlife.com and on my Instagram, you know, I'm showing all the latest finds that I discover, but I want to be an example that you can have a very chic, sophisticated, beautiful lifestyle and dress impeccably and be responsible. And I believe that's true. I know it's true. And I think it's really exciting when you can do it. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive into your connection with Judaism a little bit um, and spirituality too. Uh, in past interviews, you've mentioned that your Jewish upbringing had a real impact on your life. How has Jewish life shaped you? Well, I, you know, first of all, I, I remember being at Jewish Community Center when I was three. And then when I was like five to 12, going to Hebrew school. And I had to go, I think, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays <laughs> after school. So, and my dad's not even that Jew. Like, he's not super Jew. Like, I don't know why we were in such Hebrew school. But it was a conservative temple. And I do think it shaped me in many ways, one of which is that uh, I think the things, the conversations you're having in, in a spiritual, you know, Hebrew school, that you're just thinking deeper. You're talking about mitzvahs. You're talking about kindness. You're talking even just being in temple. You're, that's all entering you. You know, all the songs, prayers, hymns of my cantor and rabbi, I will forever, forever be grateful for my rabbi and cantor, even though they made fun of me quite a bit. Um, Why? <laughs> in, in my bar, I remember my, my bat mitzvah. They, they made said, fun of you at your bat they mitzvah? They did, they did. Well, because I was, I was a troublemaker. Because, like, I remember in Hebrew school, my cantor was talking. In, when you get to the, well, in our last year of Hebrew school, our cantor teaches. I don't know if that's typical, but that's what it was. And he um, was talking so much about the Holocaust, and I felt the need to argue with him, or debate very politely, that we had, um, um, oh my god, Rwanda. Rwanda was happening at the time, and I was like, I understand what happened to us in the Holocaust is terrible, and I have been studying this for seven years now, but what's happening right now, what are we doing about it right now? Which I think you are all talking about and doing in your community, so I'm so grateful for that. But I sort of was tired as a young person of hearing the story of, woe is me, woe is me, but what are we doing about what's happening to everyone else right now? And how do we take what happened to us and use it for, uh, you know, to correct it, right? For all the people that are being persecuted. So, you know, that's how he, you know, I'm 12 at this point. So I think I was a little bit of a rebel and an activist at a baby age. So, by, but also while I was doing that, I was not great. I, I can read Hebrew, by the way, but I have no idea what I'm saying. So, Me too. Yeah, right? Me too. A lot of us. <laughs> I remember like one part of my Haftorah portion. It's like, Ko Adonai Elaha. That's it. Um, <laughs> but um, thanks, thanks. Um, 
But um, I remember when I came up to the podium to read my Haftorah portion, he said to everyone something like, you know, that I can't believe she made it here. Something like that. <laughs> my God. So, um, but I love them. And I think that what happened in that classroom was that we were allowed to debate. We were allowed, I was allowed to be a feisty little 12-year-old girl and say, what are we doing in Rwanda? And have a good discussion about it. They had a teen program at my, my temple that there was active debate about social issues. And it was just fostered, you know? Um, there was just something. And I remember getting married. They married me when I was, I think, eight years old to a boy named Sammy Notowitz. And um, I don't know how I got to be chosen to be married to him, but I did. Congratulations. Face, oh, yeah, thanks. In the picture, I'm like, eh. I'm just not into it at all. But um, he's lovely. Um, but all of those experiences, I think, shaped me, and um, mostly the mitzvah. I think, you know, I, I was just reading this amazing quote, uh, not quote, but fact, that a year, a little bit over a year ago, in September 2018, 70 rabbis from all around the world signed a document that would urge all Jewish people to become vegetarian, to actually mm -hmm. become vegan, mm -hmm. because they said there is no kind kosher. Mm -hmm. And until we recognize that, how can we call ourselves spiritual in the name of God? And I thought that was so beautiful. And um, so I feel so proud to be a part of this Jewish community, and um, and it's just a, a wonderful thing. There's a really cool, I have to find it for you because I can't remember, but I think it's called like Jew Veg or something, somewhere in here. Um, I'll find it by the end. But if you are interested in looking into all these temples, there's temples all over the place. In LA, there's like three that are, um, but they're all over the world where people are choosing because of these rabbis, they're choosing to take on a vegetarian lifestyle because they don't believe in suffering and they believe in spirituality and they believe in their health and God made our body. And if God made our body, we should honor it and we should honor this planet we live on because it was all created, right? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So Judaism really informed your life. Uh, has it shaped your approach to parenting? Well, my son is hilarious. I, I don't know if this is the case with anyone else on the planet. I'd be very grateful to hear if it is. But when he found out he was Jewish, he thought he won the lottery. <laughs> like, he started screaming, I'm a Jew? <laughs> he couldn't believe it. He was seven when he found Because he, he knew, but he kind of didn't understand it prior to that. Because we didn't, I've only taken him to a temple maybe three or four times in his uh, life. And so, because for us, uh, the farmer's market, and doing shavasana and yoga, and being um, plant-based and living my life daily mitzvahs, da every single choice is a mitzvah, to me that is my religion. And I, it's really what is my focus. And so he also loves doing that too, and so he didn't grow up going to a temple the way that I did. He's done, but he lives, a, he is a walking mitzvah, this kid. He, he cares about the homeless. He is always trying to make change. He's always trying to make, raise money for causes. When kids want to have lemonade stains, he's like, okay, but we have to donate all the money to this organization. You know, he's really committed, and that's all him. But um, when he found out he was Jewish, he was so excited about this that I thought, you're the only kid on the planet who's so excited to find out he's Jewish when he's eight, seven years old. But I have been looking at temples for him because he had, and what happened is he really inspired me 
because it's lovely to have uh, rituals, right? It's lovely to have mark the seasons and time. And my life is so crazy and I'm all over the place uh, working all the time. So he helps me to sort of, I, I do it for him to mark Passover, um, Purim, Hanukkah. We, for Hanukkah, I went to his, I go to his school often and bring all vegan food and we talk about how that oil lasted for those eight days and what a miracle that was. And so because of that, how can we all, we talk to the, I talk to the kids and say, how can we use less and get more out of it? What are ways in which you can do that in your daily life? You know, bringing a canteen to school instead of a plastic bottle, um, using, turning the water off when you brush your teeth. You know, what are the things you can do? And the kids come up with all these ideas and it's very cute. And then for, pa for Purim, you know, Queen Esther, the vegetarian queen, um, <laughs> she's my favorite. I mean, um, <laughs> she's yeah. so amazing. Yeah. Um, so we had a Purim party at my house and we, everyone brought food to donate to local um, food insecure people. So, cause um, that's sort of what my understanding of the true nature of Purim is about. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to find the deeper meaning in the, the holiday and make it contemporary for our needs now. And um, it's been wonderful. I made a vegan brisket. It took me five hours. Um, I have but a lot was, of questions. It was beautiful and delicious. I don't know if I'm going to make it again because <laughs> it took so long. But I put all that stuff on my, I had it on my website and on my, so if ever you're interested in seeing it, it's quite beautiful. And it was great. So how can we bring more kindness into our lives? Um, I mean, I think I've definitely already explained that for me, kindness is, um, I mean, the kind diet, the whole, fo the whole focus of it is how to have the greatest, healthiest, happiest life while also doing good at the same time, not causing any harm or suffering to anything or anyone. And so... Food is where it's at. Climate change is real and it's happening right now. And 51% of climate change is caused by animal agriculture. We know this. We've known it for over 50 years. And we keep talking about it and we keep talking about it and no one's listening. Well, people are listening, but not enough people are listening. Um, so, you know, when you think about all the starving children all over the world who can't eat, they can't, it's not, they can't eat. They're not eating because there's not enough food on the planet. There's enough food on the planet right now to feed everyone. The problem is we're feeding that food to animals and it takes one, to create one pound of beef, you have to use the amount of food that could have fed villages of people. Six months of showering water is for one pound of beef to give you perspective. So we have all the resources we need. We're just using them in a really inefficient manner and so when I think about wanting to help those children, you know, every time you eat a piece of meat, you have to think you're kind of slapping the face of a child with tears running down her face who's starving to death in Africa and make that choice. And, and you know, so when I think there's a plate of food over here that's got, um, that's super delicious, and there's a plate of food over here that's super delicious, and one of those plates is gonna heal the earth, heal your body, make you fight off diseases, and not need medication, and end world hunger, and cure the earth, 
Um, and then this other plate that does all the opposite of that. To me, it's a no-brainer because they're both delicious, so why not pick the one that's really going to do good for you, for, your, for the earth, for your children? That's how I think about it. Well, before you came on, we honored 12 young adults, as we saw, doing amazing things in greater Boston and beyond. Uh, what inspired you to be here tonight and any final message you'd like to have uh, to all of us about living a kind life and making a difference? Well, I'm honored to be invited here and to understand how much um, activism you're all doing in your community. It's so important and it's so beautiful. And I'm always happy to be able to share this journey. I, I, I wrote The Kind Diet because and The Kind Mama because people were asking me for guidance on how I was doing this for a very long time. So I got tired of writing it all on little pieces of paper and sending so many emails and I just wrote it into books. So those books are there as tools for you if you're interested in um, just dabbling. You don't have to do it. This is not about being perfect. I'm not perfect at any of this. I do the best that I can all the time. And when I mess up, I just go, okay, I messed up. I'm back on. Um, every single choice that you make matters. Our forks are our weapons. And they can either be weapons of mass destruction or they can be weapons of goodness. And when I think about that, I really know that every single meal matters for you, for your health. You'll see that meal to meal, I feel the difference. You know, I, when I was younger, I had acne and asthma and allergy shots twice a week, and I was a little bit overweight. And when I changed my diet, my skin became radiant. Um, I, my, my allergist called me and said, how come you haven't been in here in a year? And I said, oh, I went vegan. And he said, oh, I hear that a lot. And I was like, why didn't you tell me? Um, and you can guess why. Um, so I think ultimately this is a, a delicious, fun lifestyle that is in fashion, thank God, finally. And, um, and it will, you will feel the benefits. I have people stop me on the street who say to me, like, I stopped having... I got rid of all my heart medication. I'm off all my drugs because my doctor says I no longer need them because I changed my diet. So this is, this is the way of the future and it will heal you and it give you the best life you can, but you're also doing mitzvahs every single day. Every plant-based meal you choose, you can go, good mitzvah. <laughs> well, Alicia, thank you so much for coming to Boston tonight and speaking with us. Thank you also to you guys, our wonderful Hi in the Hub audience, for joining us this evening. Clap for yourselves. And to hear this episode as soon as it is released, be sure to follow at Jewish Boston on social media and subscribe to the Vibe of the Tribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or TuneIn. Thank you, everyone, and we're outie. Thank you so much.